Previously on Bad Heroes. A swarm of bats burst out of the sand. The spider has moved off. Let's see where these bats came from. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. I I really, I just have to, and then she takes out 10 gold coins and hands it to him. Got something here, guys. Might have dug up a castle. Pardon? Well, it looks like the ring is bolted into some stone, which looks like it might be the top of a tower. About five feet down in the sand, there is a tall stained glass window. All right, we we'll will grip the sword with both hands, cringe a little bit, and then just go for it. Whole hog. As you do that, that long sword catches fire. The instant the magical force protecting the window from the weight of the sand is punctured, that stained glass shatters. And glass and sunlight and sand pour through at speed. The tallest tower appears mostly empty. You can now see the reflection of animal eyes up against the wall. And you can all hear a voice that says, Now that's an entrance. stand in the dunes above a shattered stained glass window set into the tallest tower of a buried castle. You have broken the wall of force that was protecting the tower room from the weight of the sand, and now the sand beneath your feet is spilling into the small dark room like water. You can see a figure in the room below you, but you can't make out much except the reflection of animal eyes. Everybody, please give me dexterity saving throws. Uh, quick question? Yeah. My cracked fire sword is completely destroyed now no mm-mm. no oh it just, just backfired, backfired on you it backfired and burned me that's right yeah that's I just see. like what it does now got it okay mm-hmm. I'll, i rolled a two. Oh, okay what's everyone else's throws 12 i'm at 11 and gideon got a seven <laughs> okay wingatha and gideon you slip and slide on the sand and fall into the dark room below carried by the pouring sand And you can tell that the room around you is rapidly filling. And after a quick look around, you can see that there does not appear to be any door. To the left of where you came in, there are thin grooves inlaid into the stone wall, which seem to form a pattern. Uh, And to your right is the prisoner, shackled to the wall. Tonrir and Iria, you do not fall in. But from your vantage point, you can see that the wall of force is very, very slowly closing. But at the rate the sand is moving... The room is probably going to fill up with sand before the wall of force closes. Oh, I went and did the spider thing, so you guys can start off this bit. <laughs> Let's actually roll initiative so that everybody gets a shake. Fantastic. Are we fighting the sand? Well, you're in a situation. Are we fighting the prisoner? <laughs> you're in a situation. Are we fighting the shackled prisoner? <laughs> that seems unsporting. Uh, 16. Okay. Eight. 19. (laughs) I couldn't find initiative on my sheet. (laughs) I actually have 11, I think. Okay, Gideon, you are first. Uh, And each round is six seconds. Okay, so I've just fallen in there with Wing of the... Yep, you just kind of slid in on a wave of sand. Okay, and we are quite rapidly being buried. It's it's not How's, not you know not so rapidly. It's like ankle right now. It's kind of spilling. Oh, okay. Around you, but you can tell it's going to become a situation. Okay. And is it pretty dark in here? I would say it's probably like low light vision, which you have. Uh, 
wing if it doesn't, right? Right. All right. Well, Gideon's going to first look down in dismay as her boots are filled with sand <laughs> and shake them off in annoyance and then uh, cast Dancing Lights. I create up to four lights that resemble lanterns or torches or four glowing spheres of light, which look like will-o'-wisps. What's your flavor? What do they look like? Oh, or one faintly glowing, vaguely humanoid shape. Yeah, no, thank you. That's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) But useful. I don't like that thing. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to do the four glowing spheres. They're going to stay within a 10-foot radius to each other, but they can be moved as I desire without any concentration on them. Yeah, so I just want to kind of spread them around Wingatha so that Wingatha can see clearly. Okay. Does my fire sword cast any light? It only lights up when you are using it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So Gideon and Wingatha, now that there's light, you have a better look at the prisoner. And the prisoner is a handsome humanoid tiger. He is built like a warrior, but dressed like a rogue. And he sort of shifts from side to side, taking you in. There is a sort of fluid grace to his movements and an unnatural light in his eyes. He's a cat folk, it's true, but there's something more than that. Something more predatory, something more dangerous. Area. <laughs> Tonrir, you're up. Okay. Tonrir uh, shouts immediately. Uh, this is going to sound so odd, but does anybody have any honey? <laughs> I'm afraid not. (laughs) He's like digging through his pack, looking through his rations to see if he has any. He's, he he is very much looking for honey right now. This is good use of like components as like a contextual thing. That something Uh bad happens and the magic people are like, where's my fucking honey? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Area pipes up and she's like, "Uh, I have some peanut butter. Does that help? No, I need honey. Okay. (laughs) Can I? Because I have rations, but I don't know if they would have honey on them. Really, he's looking for just a drop of honey. Uh, can I roll to see if he finds any in his packs? Sure, sure. Okay. Oh, I'll just roll a twenty. You yeah. can just determine it, I guess. Uh, a nine. Mm, would you? Is honey like one of those things? In the very first episode, you said you were stocking up on supplies. Is honey a, a supply you would stock up on? Is that like a thing that you? use because if it is you would have it yeah he would have it so that's fine do i find it you find it okay okay i think it takes most of your most of your round to find it though with your questionable role but okay cool because since i found honey i'm gonna summon insect scouts oh god okay um and i'll make it some uh they have to be fine size we'll say bees worker bees uh, I am doing the translate. Here we go. Jesus. And as he does so, uh, he summons forth bees. And um, their direction is to find places where we can drain the sand out. Okay. How many bees have you summoned? Uh, let's see. One insect scout for four levels. So. I made, there's three bees bees. and they can spend one D six hours investigating, but you know, this is going to be a pretty quick scout. So, (laughs) all right. So, so your turn is probably finding honey and summoning the bees. And then the next round, I'll tell you what the bees do. Iria, it is you. So 
if we let the sand go, it'll fill up the entire room? Because we like dug out this part of the castle, right? You guys dug out about half of the stained glass window. It's a very long window. Okay. About half of it was still submerged in sand. So when it when the wall of force broke and the window broke, the sand started going into the room below. The wall of force is closing very slowly, um, but you get the impression the room is going to fill with sand first. But it's not moving incredibly fast. You, in theory, could go into the room and then move on to the next room before being buried. But there is sort of a time element. And there's also this like person who's chained up to the wall. Yes. And you do get the impression that if you were to go in or if you all were to climb out and leave, this person chained to the wall is going to be buried. And that's just mean. Uh, And you, you know, with sort of cat-like grace, managed to not slide in on the sand. You sort of kept your footing and I assume like backed up a little bit away from where it's pouring in. Um, Does the wall of force, um, if there's something obstructing it, does it still close? Like if I put something to obstruct it, like will it still close and we'll have a little bit more time because something is keeping the sand at bay. You're going to shove an oboe in there? (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. You're not super sure how a ball of force works. Okay. I've been trying to like rack my brain for an instrument that would work (laughs) for this. I love the way that you use instruments for things that instruments are not designed for. (laughs) Gideon, Gideon's going to just call up again. Area. Yes. I think your cousin's down here or something. (laughs) Yeah, that's, you know, that's not our, our uh, main problem here right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm down here. Sand in my shoes. So, you know, the quicker the better. <laughs> I would love to have a reunion, but you guys are getting buried in sand. Well, hey, how about you guys help me with this? Can you think of any instrument that will help you and your instruments keep this sand? <laughs> Listen, that's all I got. Okay, I'm a bard. Uh, so if you can think of an instrument that will, like, help me keep the sand over here and not in the room. A large drum. I might be able to do something. <laughs> a large drum. Oh, you're right. Uh, like, he almost looks over like, really? A musician <laughs> trying to figure this one out while he's summoning forth his insect. He's like, really? <laughs> you literally have had that with you. <laughs> My drum is too small, but I didn't think about, like, a bigger drum. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to cast <laughs> a musical instrument. No, summon instrument. It summons a musical instrument that's handheld. It's not very large. Uh, it's ha- if it's handheld, it can't be enormous. Well, okay, so there's, like, hang drums that you can... They're light, but they are big. Oh, It's okay. like a steel drum, and there's, like, really big ones. So I guess it depends... On the width of... Depends on how you define handheld. <laughs> so the stained glass window is pretty big. Like, you and Wingatha could, like, stand side by side and look straight at the stained glass window, and there would still be room for you guys to walk straight through it. Uh, this is Liska talking now. Can I Google you? Uh, Google you. Can I Google a, a drum? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can Google me. <laughs> <laughs> and send it in the Discord so you guys get an idea of what I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. This is a steel drum. Yeah. Does get those nice island beats. <laughs> it's very soothing as everyone's getting buried. <laughs> uh, really get in the the mood with the sand. I'm feeling the sand in between my toes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you summon a big old steel drum, mm-hmm. and and what do you do? And then I hold it up to the sand at the window, 
Okay. And I, okay. The, the, so the concave <laughs> part of it is facing the sand outside. You you basically got a huge scoop and yeah. you're holding that. Okay, well. Give, yeah, and I'm just like holding it like a shield. Okay, give me a strength. I guess I could have used a shield. give me a strength check area because you're you're holding the force of this pouring sand with your big steel drum so let's see if it if it makes you uh somersault into the room (laughs) i got a 10 okay i think you are holding back some of the sand but you are starting to slide towards the room so that is sort of the cost of this i think because i rolled so badly i was like struggling with the sand and stuff so i'm kind of like thrashing and getting myself out of the sand as best I can, kind of stumble back against the far wall to get away from it. And then kind of brandishing the sword that's still in my hands that I just used and like looking at the capo guy, I'd be like, who are you? But then before I even listen for an answer, I kind of notice the commotion at the window and the sand pouring in and the uh, magic force field closing. And I kind of like try to stumble over there and Mm -hmm. jam the sword, like hold the sword out into the force field before it, closes although I, I think it's i've got some time so i'm not like yeah it's it's closing very very slowly you just get the impression that at some point if you guys go into this room and then leave the wall of force will slowly close behind you and stop the castle from being buried from the inside got it i'm going to kind of move that direction anyway and if i have time uh in this round like try to tap the sword against the inside of the where the shield is collapsing uh and see if it, if it has any effect on it just as a little bit of flavor as Wingeth is doing that and brandishing the sword towards a prisoner and trying to be very intimidating, the dancing will-o'-wisps are dancing and hopping around her, <laughs> like still providing light, but kind of orbiting her and like... <laughs> I forgot mm-hmm. about those. Um, yeah, I, I would immediately, not knowing what they were, like start twitching away from them and swatting at them because I think they're like firebugs or something. <laughs> okay, so you brandish your sword, you get irritated by little lights. Um, the cat folk says... Um, we have bigger problems now than who I am. And you go over and put your sword against the closing wall of force. Um, and I think since your sword is not sort of, it's not having its sort of magical flame ability activated. Um, it's just a normal sword right now. So the wall of force is very slowly scooching it. Just, just like someone who is very strong, casually shoving it. Okay. And if I push back against it, it's, it's stronger than me, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Hmm. This is quite the pickle. Just a reminder what the room is, because I gave you a lot at the beginning. There's the prisoner to the right, and then to the left, there is a stone wall with some sort of design inset into it. Okay, well, then Gideon's going to awkwardly shuffle through the sand over to investigate the wall. Okay, there are grooves in the stone, um, and the grooves in the stone wall form an anatomically correct heart. You want to give me a perception check? I got a 14. Okay. So in the center of the heart, there is a small blade with dried blood on it. And does it look like it can be removed? It looks like it's built into the stone wall. Okay. Um, and the small blade is at the center of the anatomically correct heart. Uh, Gideon's going to touch the blade. You... Die. <laughs> just, just touch it. Thanks for playing. <laughs> yeah, like kind of like she's she's um investigating the grooves in the wall and kind of tracing it with her finger and then like delicately touching the the blade because that's the part that sticks out. 
So as you touch the blade, as you touch the heart, nothing happens, but you feel sort of, and it's something you feel in your bones. It's not something that you would have an easy time describing, but as a magic user, you feel sort of the pulse of magic in this object. Hmm. Tanner, so you asked your insect scouts to find a place where you could let the sand out. Is that correct? Correct. The three bees fly over towards Gideon and start sort of buzzing around the heart that is inlaid into the wall. And I think the bees sort of move around in such a way that Gideon, they draw your eyes to the fact that faintly worked into the heart pattern is the word sacrifice. Hmm. Okay, well, first, Gideon, as the as the bugs come down, Gideon's going to be like, whoa, eh. oh, Tonry, are these yours? Yes. All right. So Gideon's going to say, well, they've identified the same uh, design in the wall that I'm looking at right now. And I believe we have to provide a sacrifice. For what? I don't know. That's It's a design of a heart. There's a dagger in the middle, and it looks like there's already blood on it. Well, we don't know if that's going to stop the sand or not. Correct. Um, okay. Uh, given that they're, I guess, they're just magically drawn there, or are they allowed to scout anywhere else? I think you can keep using them as a scout if you... It, what What is the description of their... They're just insect scouts, and you can use them for... Yeah, I roll a d6 for it. I got a five so they can roll for, or they can scout for five hours and then I'm. Five hours? Okay. <laughs> five hours, yeah. All right, so you want to name these little bees because they're going to be with them for a while. <laughs> okay, so it's just one. It's one insect scout every f- per four levels. So I only You're get like Ant Man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what's your bee's name? Uh, B. That's terrible. Okay. <laughs> B1. <laughs> It's B, but it's like B E A. <laughs> it's Bay. Bay. It's Bay. <laughs> Great. We'll just call it Bay. All right. So, so what do you want Bay to do next? Um, to con- well, okay. So the other thing is that they will continue scouting the vicinity, and I will get a. Um, each scout that returns passes along memories of specific structural flaws, defenses, and alarms, granting you the ability to recall one failed skill check per scout. Even if one scout returns, you also gain a rough understanding of the building's layout, at least any portions your scout could access. So after that, my bee is just going to go go looking around, and the first thing is to report back if there's any other way to like open a door or drain the sand elsewhere, so that way we have time for the portal to close. Okay. So your bee buzzes all over the room, passes around the tiger cat folks head, uh, and he sort of watches it and sort of sort of swats a little when it gets too close to his head um, and goes along the ceiling and goes along the floors and searches sort of around the entire cylindrical room, the entire tower room, and then comes back to you. And how does the bee convey knowledge to you? It just passes along memories. So however you want to have that happen. Okay. Um, I think the bee lands carefully on your nose and then suddenly you are hit with a wave of like sort of a sped up wave of its last six seconds zooming around the room, checking everything out. Mm -hmm. And everything looks really, really sealed. This room is pretty airtight. 
But what you see is is the bee looking at that door while well, looking at the. I'm sorry. <laughs> what you see is the bee looking um, at that stone wall with the anatomically correct heart, which is probably not a door. Don't I wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> anyway. No, no above the table knowledge. Okay. Listen, I'm just a humble bee. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is onward. Should use that that to the side uh, echo you were. <laughs> I wonder if that means it's a door. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I I done fucked up. Um. Anyway, and I think you can still do something in your turn if you want. Um. And you're still standing above the stained glass window and above the tower. Ooh. Um. Mm, oh, I have a dagger. <laughs> I have a dagger. So. <clears throat> I'm going to see if I can cheat. Okay. Okay. Explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to do is. You shouldn't have told the boss you were cheating first. I think. Yeah. Why? Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be seen as cheating. I <laughs> promise you. Okay. Um, All right. So the goal, Tonrir is going to get to where the inlaid heart is. So you jump down into the room that's filling with sand. Into the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, he's going to. Uh, he's going to sacrifice the bee. Oh my god! What is the matter with you? You are an, you are a monster. The goal being here that he has to sac. Every druid understands sacrificing nature for. Oh my god! Um, for, you know the balance and all of that stuff. You named it. And the bee is gonna just pass out anyway, or something, because it's only alive for what five hours. It's gonna go back to its little dimension for bee sleep, you animal. Yeah, is this a is this a, an actual animal that was summoned through magic, or is this a magical construct that he's just guiding around? It summons one or more vermin to investigate a single location. So, so it's a local bee that flew to you, or did it like? I don't know if there's any bees that would be out in this desert. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. No. All right, you're a monster. Tell me what you do. All right, so. Um, dagger a bee, that's tough. So you just you stuff your bee onto this dagger. Uh, with grace and, and 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 so I'm painting that do it ritual get some ritual um, so the bee is going to land on his forefinger and he's going to put line up the bee with the heart directly and then um, with his with the dagger and the bee standing still before he tries to stab through the bee into the heart he's going to say the envoy, and he's gonna skewer the bee and touch the dagger to the heart all at once. What's the envoy? Forgive. Goodbye, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. It sounded like the end boy. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> boy. <laughs> <for> you, boy. <laughs> Go on, get. Okay, so so you you say forgive in druid, and then you then you what? You push the bee onto the blade push the bee onto the blade so basically think of my finger being right next to the heart symbol the bee uh-huh. landing on the finger and then use me using the knife through the bee to the heart all right so how many hit points does your bee have one okay <laughs> all right <laughs> did it did it survive <laughs> oh no um what happens just out of curiosity what happens to your the animals you summon when they die do they sort of pop out of existence it doesn't say all right, so I think you push your little bee companion onto the blade, and the anatomical heart, it lights up. 
it lights up with this sort of eerie red magic and it actually sucks the bee dry. Like it leaves the bee a husk and then the bee turns to dust and disappears and the heart goes back to not glowing. Oh, we're going to need more than a bee. I was really hoping that a little hexagonal bee door was going to open. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the ghost of the bee whispers, you're a dick. And then walks away. <laughs> you know what I just realized? What? The bee's name is Bay. So if you put it together, Bay B. And that's really sad. Uh, it was just a baby. You killed your baby. <laughs> you're making me sadder. So wait. <laughs> Gideon was Gideon was standing right next to the door watching that whole bee situation happen, right? Yeah, Wingatha and Gideon are in there. Okay, so she's just kind of gonna notice that obviously the bee was not enough and think to herself, but say a little bit out loud, probably, I don't know if you want me to roll for how, if anyone can hear me, but basically she's just being like, hmm, I wonder, wonder who has the most blood. <laughs> <laughs> Side glance at Wingatha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, roll a quick uh, perception. <laughs> if you want to be, if you want to sneakily talk to yourself, y'all can roll against each other. Yeah, I, I want to see if I if I hear her. Yeah, go for it. Since I think we're nearby, but there's sand rushing into the room. So would that be stealth for me? I'll just roll, and you can climb. <laughs> it's a thirteen. Yeah, roll roll stealth. I got seventeen. Oh, you hear nothing. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's right. cool. I guess I would have had to get out of the way when um, Tonrir came sliding into the room. Yuri is the only one still outside, and you are holding back the sand, but you are slowly scooting down to the point that, at, you know, if you, if you give it a little more time, you're going to fall, like, five feet into the room. So where's the wall of force right now? Uh, it's basically flush with where the where the stained glass window was. But it was coming, uh, it was, like, coming in, right? So, like, do I still have a hole to go in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How big is that? Uh, the wall of force is still just a little smaller than the entire visible part of the stained glass window. It's going to take a while. Oh, wow. It's got a pretty big hole. Well, okay. I was going to do area cast detect door. I mean, detect magic. But then <laughs> the DM fucked <laughs> up. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still here with a steel drum holding sand. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm close to the hole. So I can I'm see that I'm closing in on the hole. So I'm going to take my drum and jump down. And I guess that lets all the sand that I was holding into the room. <laughs> all right, so you jump down with a giant steel drum full of sand. And I think the second you sort of slip and slide into the sandy pit below, which is now like up to your guys' knees, suddenly the tiger person just like brightens up and says, um, sister, and immediately starts talking in catfolk, um, not in common. So only you, Iria, can hear him. And he says... Um, he sort of gestures you over to him. He, he tries to approach you, actually, uh, but he is in cast iron manacles that connect in front of his body and then into the wall behind him. So he, he can't. Iria kind of lights up, too, because he's pretty handsome. <laughs> and she, she kind of walks over cautiously, but like very interested. Um, I think he lifts his manacled hands as if he was reaching for you. Um, and he looks genuinely thrilled to see you. Um, and he says in Catfolk, Bless your living soul. I did not expect to ever see another furry face. You are a sight for sore eyes, kin. Free me and hurry. We need to escape this room and quickly. And up close, his eyes are blue like a bruise. 
and when he licks his lips, there is an unnatural pallor to his gums. Iria says, you know, I, I definitely agree that we need to get out of this room, but I'm, I'm not, I don't know who you are, and some of us catfolk can be pretty sly, so I need to be convinced that you're not going to do something underhanded to us. So, um, Iria does, can I sense motive? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I roll sense motive, which is 21. Oh, my God, that's what you rolled? What did you roll? A 15 plus 6. Mm, okay. And then I'm actually going to introduce your special thing that you get. Hold on, let me find it. <laughs> well, while these two cats are having a conversation, Wingatha, are you just like looking back and forth in confusion? Um, I'm actually curious if I've noticed <laughs> the um, odd complexions on the cat folk, or if I would even recognize that it's odd. You wouldn't have noticed you're too far away. Only Iria, because she is so close to him. Got it. Okay. And speaking of, Iria, your sort of specialty, this arc is called Sister Solidarity. Um, and you're going to take advantage on all diplomacy, charisma, and sense motive checks with this character. Because cat folk have a really strong sense of camaraderie and in-group, um, this character is immediately friendly towards you and you are very good at reading him. Cool. So if you your role was, it ended up being a 21, but if you want to roll again, you can. Mm-hmm. And take the higher number. Okay. That was the highest number. Okay. So he's a little kind of cat poofy because the room is filling with sand, but he looks genuinely friendly towards you. His ears are politely forward. His tail is at like a polite height. His pupils are not too big. He has kind of like a, a very polite expression. Like he, he just looks friendly. He looks like a friendly cat. He is genuinely excited to see you, you in particular. He, was, he looked a little wary before you walked in the room, but he's very excited to see you. Okay. So Iria says, you know, I, you seem pretty friendly and, and I, I have, a, have a good feeling about you, but I've, I have my friends here, you see, and they're not catfolk. And so I just, just, just want to make sure. I'm not racist. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just. That's not what I meant. I didn't mean that. I just, like, I understand that us catfolk got to band together. But I also have, like, my group that I, I'm loyal to. So I want to make sure if I let you out of these shackles that it's not just going to be an us versus them kind of thing. I think he, his hands are manacled together, but he puts a hand to his heart in, like, a fist. And he does a very small bow. And he says, um, you have your pride, and I understand. Your pride as in, like, your people. Gideon's going to be like, hey, hey, Tondra, do you know what they're saying? Just... <laughs> <laughs> is that what Tonry says? No. Tonry's <laughs> 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 like, uh, meow. Because <laughs> with my luck, it'd be like just the right intonation to be like, screw your mother, and I would be in a lot of trouble. So. <laughs> and I think I think that's all you can do because you did a move action and you did a like a roll, like a standard action. So I think you're I think you're out of stuff and it's Wingatha now. Really quick, before I start anything else, uh, just a little detail. I had stuck my spear in the sand before I did the sword thing. I'm assuming it slid in with everything else. Yeah, that makes sense. Hopefully no one got uh, injured by that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just standing next to this wall, looking at it, and all of a sudden I'm impaled. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Realizing she uh, she can't do anything about the force field or the sand or the window, uh, Wingeth is going to go back to her 
initial impulse, which was to kind of be suspicious of the chained prisoner. Not, not as much suspicious, but just like want to know what the situation is. So I don't know if I can do like a, a further kind of search or look at or inspect kind of thing. Um, you can do a perception roll. You can do an, well, I guess an insight. Well, insight is sort of to sense someone's intent. Kind of depends on what you want to know to see more than like, this is a handsome tiger cat folk um, in sort of like roguish clothing. You, you probably would have to get, you know, a little closer because you're all the way across the room. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll walk over there um, while Iria is talking to him. And then when there seems to be like kind of a gap in, in speech, we'll kind of jump in, interrupt with like, how did you get here? Sort of like that, sort of slightly aggressively. And then while I'm asking, uh, I want to like do a perception check. Uh, 17. Okay. So you too now can see that there's a strange quality to his eyes. There's a strange quality to the visible parts of his skin, which on him would be like the palm of his hands, where his sort of paw pads are, and his lips, um, and his nose, uh, and maybe some skin that's visible on the inside of his ears. Like they all have a very, a very pale color. And uh, he looks like he has been stripped of his armor. Um, he's wearing sort of like what you might wear underneath uh, leather armor. He doesn't seem to be armed. He doesn't have any weapons. So yeah, that's that's most of what you can see. This catfolk turns his eyes from Iria to you. And when he looks at you, he looks intrinsically much more wary. He looks you up and down slowly um, and says... Uh, you are the living, and therefore I can safely assume that you are no friend of Lord Oberon. I am a vampire hunter here to slay Lord Oberon. I came here much as you did, I assume. And that's said in common? Uh-huh. Are you sick? <laughs> in a sense. Uh, Winged is going to look kind of sidelong to Tonrir to see if he gets it. Tonrir nods. Okay. Where is the sand level right now? It's, get, it's getting up to like mid-thigh. Okay. It's getting a little a little hairy. It's getting hard to move. Iria kind of sees this exchange between Wingatha and the um, tiger cat folk and then Tonrir. And then she's going to kind of give like a side eye to Wingatha in a way to say like, uh, I see where this is going kind of thing. Did you want to do anything else, Wing Effect? You walked over, talked, um, you did a roll. I think that's a pretty full turn, yeah. Yeah, Gideon, you are up. Um, so she's going to have noticed that uh, Wing Effect and Tonner exchanged a glance and that their suspicions of this chained-up catfolk are fairly well-warranted. And then noticing that the levels of sand uh, getting kind of dire, she's just going to say, like, so... Are we all agreed? Are we impaling the suspicious cat? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is Dre Silvertooth, your GM. And welcome to October, the spookiest month of the year. Ah, 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 four bad heroes. (laughs) 
Uh, this week, I want to thank my buddy Torrance for becoming a patron and supporting the show. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you for believing in us. Our show will always be free, but we are cooking up some fun extras to thank people who choose to support our show through Patreon. That support helps us pay for the software we use to record and edit our show, and hopefully someday will help us upgrade our recording setups so that we can bring you more crisp, professional-sounding audio. I regularly record in a pillow fort of my own making to cut down on room noise, and I would love to stop doing that, though it is hilarious. For patrons this week, I am putting up some GM notes about this encounter and about the new character, uh, which I think is available at the $2 a month level. And at the $5 a month level, we are putting together some cast interviews, which should be really fun. I recorded one with Jake the other day about Wingatha, and it was it was really enjoyable. It was actually a lot of stuff that like I didn't know about Wingatha, which is pretty cool. Um, again, nothing you need to enjoy the show. The entire show, start to finish, is going to be free. Uh, but consider it the director's commentary that comes on the DVD version. Um, oh, and if you have questions for me or for the players that we might cover in a Q&A, please hit us up with those. We can be found at Bad Heroes Cast on Twitter or emailed at badheroescast at gmail.com. Music in this episode is, as always, uh, Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane and Some Amount of Evil by Kevin McLeod, which... I'm really loving using in this chapter of the story. It just fits so well. Even the title is really cool. And Liska Winter was once again on the hang drum cheering on just super bad ideas. Thank you for listening. And our next episode will be up on October 16th. See you then. We need to capture a Maroi, correct? We need to get out of here first. Well, if we have a Maroi to throw through the hole, then we can all just follow, couldn't we? I think the catfolk is watching you, and he sort of smiles and says, Ah, I see you have seen my unusual mm, biology, shall we say. I regret to inform you I am not the creature you seek. I am a Dampier. I am a monster, you are correct. But if you seek a true Moroi, I am not it. Figures. Right, so absolutely useless. Let's just impale him. Uh, hold up. Hold up. <laughs> Chimes in the other cat folk <laughs> in the room. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but like we can't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we can't just impale people here. You're not finishing your sentence, Wing, if it's going to just kind of like cock her head at <laughs> kidding. Well, you're pleasant company, aren't you? <laughs> he uh, inclines his head towards the door and he says, "Um, I see what you're thinking. I have thought much the same. Should I be able to escape my manacles? But due to my unique heritage, I do not think I will be able to open the door. That would make sense. I would look for a thing of life. He looks, he looks, he nods, but he kind of looks a little sad. Well, yeah. Sand's coming in, bitches. You can mope later. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he says, um, 
If someone would be kind enough to unchain me, perhaps I can help. Unless you intend to leave me to suffocate beneath the sand. We all will if we don't move quickly. Also, do you breathe? Well... (laughs) 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 He takes a deep breath. (laughs) And says, uh... I like to. (laughs) (laughs) But do you need to? I don't really want to find out. (laughs) Question. The size of the room versus the rate of sand coming in versus the rate of which the thing is closing, the force field. Is there like a lot of ceiling above us or no ceiling? Or like, does it look like we're just going to get stuck in there and buried in sand? There's a lot of ceiling above you guys. Um... It looks like there's probably still going to be some part of this room that has air, uh, but this room is is pretty substantially going to fill with sand before the wall of force closes. Okay. And the sacrifice the sacrifice panel will be inaccessible to us. Mm. Yes, and and the catfolk is shackled to you know you guys might be able to like crawl up on the sand if you're dexterous enough, but the catfolk is shackled to the wall. He he's not going anywhere. Okay, then quick quick addendum to my turn. I'm going to grab my spear off the floor out of the sand before I get completely buried. Smart. smart. So you got a, a spear and a sword in each hand yeah. kind of deal. Cool. Uh, at some point in that conversation, the catfolk is going to ask, like, what are you doing here? He's just going to show the silver bracelet to the cat to see if he recognizes it. Jewelry? You're for Jewelry? <laughs> No. Oh, yeah. Bandits. I would be caught with a bunch of bandits. And then he, he looks at Yuri and he's like, sister, stealing is not right. I work for all my money. And she starts playing the drum. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really think this is the time? <laughs> it's always the time. <laughs> Once again, Wingeth is going to give her like a what the hell face. <laughs> <laughs> Area sort of exists outside of time and circumstance. Gideon, do you know that this is going to take somebody's complete life essence or only some of it? I am. I was about to ask you the same question. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I and Gideon's going to lean in close and whisper and just say, like, to be honest, if the dampier isn't going to work, I think Wingatha has the most blood to offer. So potentially the highest chance of surviving if it does not require a full life force. Stealth check. (laughs) (laughs) Roll stealth versus perception. Damn it. Holy, is he getting a 19? (laughs) I'm not even going to tell you. Just go on. (laughs) (laughs) That's so dumb. (laughs) Was it a natural one? Because you have to tell me legally. Five plus one. <laughs> well, then I guess your ears don't blow up. <laughs> Good job. I do have a lot of scars. I've been in a lot of battles. I probably have some damaged hearing. I think is what's going on here. Can Iria roll for a to to see if she hears that? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, twenty four. Oh, okay. Wingatha's big fluffy ears hear you, Gideon. You mean Wingatha? I'm sorry. <laughs> As I said that, you wrote so badly. (laughs) 
as I said that, Rika's ears started getting huge, and she was like, "No, no, no!" And Yuria kind of perked up. <laughs> I want the animated version of this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Iria's big fluffy ears. Iria heard you. Uh, is Iria closer to Tanrir and Gideon or Wingatha? <clears throat> Tanrir and Gideon are sort of over by the door. Uh, Wingatha and Iria, you are near the prisoner, which is to the right. Um, so you guys are kind of across the room from each other. Okay. Well, Iria looks at Tanrir and Gideon and kind of like gives them a, a knowing eye and like kind of puts a, a finger up to her lip thinking like, can I would resistance work in this situation? Like if, if Wingatha or one of us in the party did um, decide to uh, donate blood, would resistance work in that in favor of that? So it's a, you imbue this subject with magical energy that protects it from harm, granting it a plus one resistance bonus on saves. I don't think technically, but I think for flavor, um, if you want to do a spell like that, um, I will find a way to give it a mechanical advantage. Okay. Whose turn is it right now? It It's yours, right? <laughs> it's, no, it's Gideon. I think it was, it, we- <laughs> I was, I was just talking yeah, it's, to Tonrear, so I, I'm fine with passing so, my turn on because I didn't have anything else. Okay. So it's, so it's Gideon, Tonrear, and then Iria. But Iria, if you want to do something, then if, if Tonrear is okay with delaying his turn, if yeah, you want to do something. Oh, no. Um, Okay, so Iria kind of uh, hears what Tanrir and Gideon are saying and looks at Wingatha and is like, Wingatha, um, you seem like the, the biggest and the most brave of us all. Um, <laughs> do you think you'd want to donate a little blood to, to get us out of this, this room? I'll, um, I'll grant you a resistance spell that will help you out in that respect. So we would still have, have you as part of our party. Maybe, says the catfolk. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's fine. Wingeth is going to kind of just stare at her like stony face, like really hard. And then with like barely moving, just drag the back of one of the swords across the back of her arm or like under the, under the van brace and then hold the sword out to her with blood on it. Ooh, what a, what a power move. <laughs> <laughs> Maintain eye contact. Cut arm. <laughs> In your blood. Um, and also say any more than that, you got to pay for. I only got fifteen gold. <laughs> you just drag your your sword along your arm. How how deep, Wingatha? Just a surface cut, back of the wrist, just under the mambrus. Take one hit point okay. of damage, please. On my burned hand. <laughs> oh. So Wingatha hands you a sword with her blood on it and says, any more than that, and you got to pay for it. And Eerie, you do what? <laughs> I take the bloody sword and I head over to Tanrir and Gideon and hand it to Gideon? <laughs> choices, choices. <laughs> uh, I take I take the sword and I, I bring it up to the door and I like kind of wipe the blood down so that it's like dripping on the the dagger that's cutting out of the brick wall. Okay. So I think a little trickle of blood falls from the sword onto the dagger and that anatomically correct heart lights up again and just like kind of sucks the blood into it. Um, and you can see Wingatha's blood starting to kind of fill the grooves, sort of what would be the arteries uh, within the stone heart but it's not enough blood to fill it. 
And after a couple seconds, the heart goes back to just being stone. How much would you say percentage-wise it filled? It filled like it filled like a fourth of the heart. Oh. How convenient. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Is it is it still filled? Like does it stay there or it, it looks like it absorbed it? <laughs> it sinks into the stone. Well, if that was a quarter, then it's not all that sorry, let me well, if that was it, then that's not too much blood. No, that isn't at all. Well, provided I can be pulled from it in case it tries to take more than I can give. I want somebody to hold on to my arm and I'll give a little bit more. So, uh, Iria hasn't done anything for her turn. Can she cast resistance um, for Tonry? Sure. Mm-hmm. Resistance to what? It's supposed to be against saving throws, but oh. we'll just say it gives you a little something. So. Alright, so Iria starts playing her drum. And Tonrir, it is you. Okay, I'm going to hold my uh, left hand out for somebody to hold in case they need to pull me off of the wall. And as soon as that happens, I'll put the back of my hand to it. Wingit is going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think you need to touch it. The sand's filling up quick. Wingit, you should probably take hold of Tonrir's hand. And Tonrir, I think, I think you can feel sort of like a pull from that blade. Okay. What's our sand level? Getting to your waist. Getting pretty dire. Cat folk is still uh, still shackled to the wall, by the way. We don't have time. Is it a free action to, like, move? I mean, we've kind of left initiative land, so if you want to move, I think that's okay. Oh, okay. Well, Iria goes to the cat folk and puts her hands up towards the shackle, but um, looks at the tiger cat folk in the eyes and, like, gets a really serious tone, and sh- and she says... I'm going to let you go. And I promise you that there's going to be a great reward once we're all out of this. But I need you to make sure that all of us are safe, that you don't do anything to any of us. I know that you got my back and I got your back. But if any of my people go missing or die at your hands, then bad things are happening. And then she takes the shackles off. Oh. He nods at your sort of threat and smiles a little bit, and you can see his very, very sharp teeth. But yeah, how do you take the shackles off? Because they're cast iron. Oh, so there there has to be like a key? Mm-hmm. Or you have to break them. You, there's a chain that runs from the shackles to the wall. Is he shackled like each hand is shackled, or are his hands shackled together, and then there's one chain from that? His two wrists are shackled together um, in front of him. And then there's a chain that runs uh, from the bar between his wrists to the wall behind him. Nothing on his feet? Uh, no, his feet are not shackled. While that's taking place, Wingeth is going to um, back against the wall farthest from the window, where I'm assuming the sand would be lowest. Mm-hmm. Kind of level the spear at the dampier and say to Iria, like, use my sword, because she's still holding my sword. Oh, okay. So Iria uses the sword to cut the shackle at the wall and not at his wrists so that his wrists are still shackled together are you using your sword with the flame that's the one i had out yeah okay uh iria you swing at the chain that attaches the tiger cat folk to the wall go ahead and give me a d20 roll eight okay (laughs) (laughs) do i get any like addition to that please no it's simply luck clang (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so you swing the sword, um, and it comes to life with flame, and that flame 
cuts through the chain, but that flame also fires back at you. And take three damage, three burn damage. I mean, you've only got 14 hit points. So for you, that's quite a bit. So I think you take it to sort of the chest and the arms um, and you you have a burn on your chest now. Ooh, <laughs> does the guy take any? Uh, nope. <laughs> Straight back at the handler. Got it. It's such a good sword. Iria kind of steps back a little bit and grunts and, and looks at the tiger cat folk and like, a, <clears throat> I, this just happened because I'm helping you out. So take this into consideration. I'm going to leave your wrist shackled for now, but kind of gives like a wink, like a flirting wink as to like, you know, once you, (laughs) (laughs) once you convince me that you're good enough, I will consider taking them off. The tiger cat folk gives a little bow um, to you and wingatha and says, um, I see your sacrifice and I appreciate it. Though I imagine I should tell you that I have a husband Ah, this isn't the time. Let's go, let's go. Uh, and like runs over to the door um, to where sort of the action is. I was going to say, since they were doing that and Tonrir had kind of been standing there with his hand outstretched, like somebody grabbed me and I was like, Wingatha, you should do it. But then Wingatha went <laughs> and stood next to the wall. Gideon was going to kind of like half-heartedly <laughs> take Tonrir's hand. Thumb and forefinger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can say these things are happening simultaneously. I'll warn you now, I have no upper body strength. Let's do this. <laughs> the sand is going to flow out. Everybody brace yourselves and try not to slide in. I will do my best. And fuck it, he's going to put his back of the hand up to and push in a little bit onto the dagger and let it start drinking. So the moment your skin is pierced and that first drop of blood uh, drips down the blade and onto the carved stone, that carved heart seems to come to life and pull. Uh, And it pulls your hand flush against it so that the blade goes through your hand. And with an otherworldly force, it is sucking at the blood in your body. So you take two damage. And that enchanted stone continues to pull supernaturally at your wound until small trickles of blood curl through the entire engraved heart filling it with an eerie proof of life. And then the stone cracks and splinters and forms a door. Stops pulling. And stops pulling. Okay. Yeah. Like did the, the blade detract from his hand? He, he's still impaled on the blade, but it's not holding him there. Um, and the, the light in the heart sort of dies as the door is born. I'm going to pull my hand painfully off of that. Because uh, I hadn't intended for it to go through give a gasp or, and a wince and then looking at the door and where the sand's coming in, he's not going to hesitate. He's going to try to open the door. Okay. So Iria and Wingatha, you've just finished freeing the cat folk who is heading towards the door. Is everybody going sort of with him? I'm, yeah, I'm right behind Tonner. Yeah. And Iria is holding onto that chain. So she kind of has no choice. Okay. Um, so I think that you all burst through the door sand pouring out after you in a little wave. And when you catch your breath, you can see that before you is a winding staircase that leads down into the castle. Sand has sort of poured from the room down the stairs a little bit, and it's continuing to pour out since the door is open. And it's it's starting to make a bit of noise. Uh, I'm guessing the sand's starting to funnel in then? Yeah. So do you guys close the door or leave it open, I guess is what I'm angling for. Tonra's going to leave it open. And if anybody else steps in to close it, cool. Wingatha was going to stop anyone from trying to close it. 
Okay, so sand starts pouring down, and before you is that winding staircase leading down into the castle that is now getting a little covered in sand. Some of the steps where you can still see them are crumbling and in a state of disrepair. The walls slouch and crack beneath the weight of the desert above, and there is a torch that sits unlit on the wall before you, and everything is dark. There's a little bit of light coming in from the room because there is still some sun coming in from the hole, but down the stairs is is true dark. Uh, Gideon, how long do your flares last? Uh, the dancing lights, I was just about to say, only last a minute, but it's a cantrip, so I can uh, cast it again. Um, and I was going to go ahead and cast it with, depending on how far away from each other, they have to be within a 10-foot radius of each other. So I was just kind of chain them, like first one up front a little bit ahead of... I assume Tonrir because he went in first. So I think after you guys burst through the door, I think the cat folk looks at Gideon after she casts the dancing lights and says, "Um, you may want to be careful with that. Doesn't lend much to stealth to be followed by dancing lights. Doesn't lend much to stealth to fall down a flight of stairs either. (laughs) Um, And then looks around at you guys and says, "Um, I don't know why you're here. I don't know who you are but I am so grateful to be free from that room. My name is Nyx. I am a vampire hunter, and I am a dampier. I hope that that is something you can all make peace with. I promise I mean you no harm. I am here to deal with Lord Oberon, and as long as you are here to deal with Lord Oberon, we will have no conflict. Iria looks at Gideon and mouths, What's a dampier? <laughs> Gideon just shakes her head in disappointment. Wingeth is going to smile and say, "No problem," and keep aiming the spear right at him. <laughs> uh, I think Nix just kind of smiles. Gideon is concerned that you were flirting with this being without knowing, <laughs> knowing his sort of questionably alive status. That I was flirting. Yeah, you winked at him. Yeah. So Iria steps in front of Nix in between the spear and kind of holds up the chain. Like I got this. And can you reiterate the crumbling walls and steps? Sure. Um, so some of the steps in front of you are in a state of disrepair. Um, they're sort of starting to fall apart. You can see that this part of the castle, even though there is a wall of force protecting the castle from the sand, it is getting a little worn and a little squished by the weight of the dunes above it. It doesn't look like it's going to collapse in on you guys, but it looks like it's it's in sort of a precarious state. And there's a torch on the wall in front of you guys, um, and it's unlit. Tonrir is going to grab the torch and look for somebody to light it. Iria kind of does like, a, oh, oh, wait, um, I want to I want to see if we can work something out because I agree with my cat folk friend here that might not be too good for us to draw too much attention to ourselves. So then um, Iria turns to Nyx and. And kind of talks in, in cat folk so that the rest can't hear what she's saying. And she says, so I know my friends are a little weary, but I've got a good feeling about you. And, you know, we're, we're siblings. Would that be a good word? Kin. We're brother and sister. You're, we're kin. Yeah. Thank you. You're not um, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and we're kin. And I know they're, they're a little concerned about your draperianness, but I think it could be useful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but how is your vision in these very low light levels? So he uh, he says back in Catfolk, um, I can see perfectly in the dark. 
Can any of you? Uh, I can see pretty well. Probably not as well as you. Uh, I think a few of us can see as, as well as I can. Um, I think you've got the best sight. So he, he has low light and dark vision up to 60 feet. Okay. So Iria, um, still talking to Nix and Catfolk, says, I think we can help each other out here. You want to... You're, you're hunting vampires. We're also, like, kind of hunting vampires, but we need them alive, not dead. So... At that, for the first time, Nyx frowns at you, and he says, um, Lord Oberon is my responsibility. Every new death at his hand weighs on my soul. I am here to kill him specifically. Other vampires, I suppose, I suppose I could be persuaded to let you leave here with one alive, but not him. Okay, I think we can make a deal with that, and... I appreciate that, and I and I want to let you know that where we're taking this vampire back to, uh, there's a bunch of cats, and we're going to make sure that they don't hurt those cats, and, and they're going to have a, a good, good life. We're just going to need some stuff from them, and that's it. I think he looks at you a little suspiciously and says, um, I will need the details of this later. Of course, of course. But for now, I think we are in agreement. Now, Great. to do any good to anyone, I need my tools. What tools are we talking here? Is this still all in cat talk? By yeah. oh, okay, so Iria, yeah. Iria um, now that <laughs> they've had that conversation, she turns to the party and says, so our catfolk friend here has really great eyesight, and we've come to an agreement. We're both here for somewhat similar reasons and we can help each other out what do you guys think of that wingeth i kind of tersely did he say how he got here yet no (laughs) (laughs) nix how'd you get here i was hunting lord oberon i knew that his castle must be near here i hunted through the dunes for months finally I came into contact with Lord Oberon himself, but he was not alone. I lost the battle, but unluckily for me, they did not take my life. When I awoke, it was in that tower. So I can only assume there is another way in and out of this castle. So you were in his castle already? In the dungeon where you found me. Where did you fight him? In the dunes. They leave their castle to feed. Perhaps you saw the bats. We did, yeah. That would be dear Lord Oberon and some of his favorite spawn. They will return. It's best that we not be here when they do. Agreed. Which means we should probably either try to make our way back out of the window or further down in. I'd say the uh, dancing light's probably extinguished by now. Get in, just like what the fuck. <laughs> Nick says, uh, "If you want to leave the way you came, I will understand. But I am here now, and I am not leaving until Lord Oberon is slain. If you want to part ways, I will understand. But I will ask that you at least give me use of my hands." Uh, and he holds up his manacles. Iria, uh, very hesitantly. Are they so they they're locked? I would have to like unlock them or 
do something else to to make them come off? Uh, yeah, like lockpick them or break them somehow. Um, seeing sort of your like, how the hell do I open this expression? He says, um, I have tools we can perhaps use, but they will be with my things. My things were taken from me and I assume are elsewhere in the castle. Well, that kind of puts us in a sticky situation. Are you okay with not having your hands until we find your tools? You all seem like competent fighters. I assume you can handle it. Yes. So, Iria turns back to the party. Is everyone in agreement? We kind of help each other out, and Nyx here gets what they want, and we get what we want, and we're on our way. He's already spoken common, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of that was in common. Yeah, he can speak catfolk and common. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Unless, unless I specifically say he's only talking to Yuri in catfolk, he's speaking common. Got it, okay. Uh, we can just look at everyone else, see what they think. I think that we are at no loss to bring them along for the moment. Um, and as such, we should probably at least start making our way down before the sand makes the stairs less traversable. Yeah, Gideon's Probably combing through. Did you summon light again to read by it? The vampire book. <laughs> summon, I'll summon that humanoid dancing light figure. Oh, God. <laughs> I was going to say earlier, I, do you, were you the one with the high bluff? I think it's Iria. And Me? Game. Oh, okay. No. Gideon has a nine. I think I have a ten. Like a bluff in combination with that light figure would be... <laughs> Horrifying. An eight is pretty good. That's a good idea. Yeah. For later. Only last a minute. Be a quick bluff. <laughs> well, so so Tonner is just holding this unlit torch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the the question was, do we want to be more stealth and have Nyx um, being our eyes for the moment, or use our own light sources? Um. So if you guys use a light source, um, you guys will not have to rely on Nyx for eyes, but you will sort of take a bit of a disadvantage on visual stealth checks. We know that they're out for the moment, and just to get down these stairs, if anything, the torch would be worthwhile, and then we can consider our options once we're at the bottom of them. Okay, I can agree on that. Sounds good to me. I don't have I don't have anything to light your torch with. <laughs> He's like still holding the torch. Like <laughs> we're gonna start digging around in our pack for flint and steel, but I don't know if anyone has magic fire they can use. But... Just do it the the good old fashioned way. Tap it with the sword. Okay, I'll find my flint. And steel. Man, you're gonna die by this sword. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> tap it with a sword and light yeah, yourself on fire. Sword's gonna tap you if you know what I mean. People got twenty eight points. <laughs> All right, flint and steel it is. Do I have to roll to a I, strike? I think you just do it. I think you okay, can do right. that. I think you're a good travel adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were Gideon, I might make you roll. <laughs> but I, I think you know how to do this, so I think you get I'm that. I'm going to roll a one, and the flint's going to fly into my mouth, and I'm going to choke him. <laughs> and that's how Wingatha died. <laughs> Sorry. So and we still wouldn't have light. <laughs> and you've lost the flint. <laughs> And a wing of a... <laughs> um, okay, so you, you light that torch and it illuminates the staircase. Do you guys all follow it down? I was going to say, um, Liska, make sure that your friend leads the way while you hold the chain. I'll go third. I 
wing it up. Perhaps you should take a spear and shield between us, and then Gideon, you can follow behind me. Cool. Who's Leska? As <laughs> <laughs> the sand that's pouring in, you miss you misheard me. <laughs> you, know, you could uh, make sure that your friend goes down in front of us, and then blah 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 the order that I just mentioned. <laughs> How much visual distance do we have on the torch? So the staircase is pretty tight, so you can see yeah. everything that you'd be able to see with, with normal light. Wingeth was just going to chime in and say, um, maybe our friend Nix here should go first and we should have the torch in back. So the torch gives you about 20 feet. Okay, so Iria turns to Nix and says, uh, let's, let's go up front and then we can kind of be the first defense if we notice anything. Nix says that. Uh, Bait. You mean you're using me as bait? <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll be right. I'll be right next to you. I don't want to be blinding you with this torch in front of you. You're all new to vampires. I understand. Uh, and he he sort of steps in steps to the front. So I'm behind them with a spear. The suggested order was Nyx, Iria, Tonrir, um, Wingatha with a shield and a spear, and then Gideon in the back. Everybody good? Yeah. Good. Okay, so you all follow the winding staircase down several spirals into a hall, which opens into a storeroom beyond. And there's light in there. Do you guys put out your torch as you approach? As If there's light there, yes, I'm going to put the torch out. So in the storeroom, a torch flickers, illuminating a human woman dressed in servant's garb. You can all see her and she is folding blouses neatly in a pile, humming softly to herself. And at first, the scene looks domestic, it looks normal. But then you realize that she is folding and refolding the same shirt over and over again, humming the same few notes. There's blood, crusted and old, staining the collar of her white dress, and her eyes are completely vacant. She looks like an echo of a life once lived here in this castle, and fittingly, she is not reflected in the mirror beyond her. A thing of the past. Uh, go ahead. Everybody give me stealth rolls. Okay. Yeah. That's a one. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got an 18. Okay. Uh, plus whatever my... Oh, I got a minus six because of my armor. 12. Clang, 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 clang. Okay. Let's see. Eight plus 11, so... What? 19. Iria at 10 plus 10 is 20. Okay. And Nix's is 24. So Gideon, you want to tell us what you do to earn your, your one stealth check, your natural one in stealth coming down the staircase? Well, I feel like because when we were standing there, um, she she was flipping through her book. And probably summoned one of the dancing lights so that she could read while going down the stairs. And I'm going to say that she just continued reading. And since she was in the back and people were going down the stairs and kind of stopped when they saw this, she crashed right into them. <laughs> okay. I think you crash into Wingatha and I think you crash into the shield. And I think that makes yeah. a big sound. Um, clatter, clatter. And Gideon, as you crash into that shield, the humming stops. Then the folding stops. And in the silence, you can all hear that that woman isn't breathing. And when she turns to look at you, 
Her mortal face is contorted into something feral, split open by a mouth wide open with fangs. Whoops. (laughs) 